Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello and welcome once again to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern and I'm so grateful to have you here with me today. Hello to my dear friend Crystal Wright. Thank you for coming back, Crystal. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Yes, I'm glad to see you. Wonderful to see you as well, Crystal. Last week we were in Galatians 1.10 and we decided to spend another week in Galatians. This is easily one of our favorite books of the Bible. We love how Paul just brings the truth, don't we? (laughs) Can't get enough of it. And it's so applicable. I cannot really truly think of a better book to start 2022 in because it just gives us such practical truth to live by. Not a lot of guesswork, not a lot of artistic license. It's hard-hitting truth that we can and need to apply so that we're really living the the joy and the victory in the full life that Jesus promised to us in John 10.10, that Zoe life, life to the fullest, life indeed. So this week we are in chapter 2 of Galatians, verse 21. And of course, we want to pull a truth and a choice out of this verse. I'm going to go ahead and read it. And then Crystal, if you would go first and share a truth with us that you are going to be walking in this week, so our listeners can be encouraged to do the same. Galatians 2.21 says this, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So this is written, of course, in the context we talked about last week. Paul is very upset in the first chapter of Galatians because the church that he allowed the Holy Spirit to found, to build through him, is now turning away to the Judaizers who are preaching a gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. What they're saying is you have to first be a Jew, you have to follow the law, specifically you have to be circumcised, And then you can bring in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can supplement the law with Jesus. That's cute and sweet and nice, but it's not enough. Now, Paul is very upset by this. So he is continuing his message to the church at Galatia, going up against this message of the Judaizers. So we were last week in chapter one, this week in chapter two to catch everybody up to this last verse of chapter two, it's been this message of you cannot add, you cannot change the gospel of truth. Jesus Christ died. He sacrificed his life for your freedom. You don't get to cheapen that. You don't get to add to that. You don't get to live like it's not enough. And so it's this summary verse here in verse 21 where he's saying, if you add anything else, the law, for us, it's it's not the law of circumcision that we hold tight to, is it? But we have things like these Jews, these early Christians that were following the Judaizers, hanging on to the law, hanging on to circumcision. For me, this is so convicting because my spirit says, what is it, Carrie, that you're tempted to hold on to, to find your worth, to find your value, to find, you know, being enough in air quotes other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the context of this, just by way of quick reminder, is Paul is very upset. He's saying there is no other gospel. You don't add the law to what Jesus has accomplished and call that enough. What Jesus did alone is enough. So Crystal, what is the truth with that 
little bit of background, little bit of context, and the truth of, for if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died for nothing, what is it that your spirit has really grabbed a hold of by way of truth for our listeners this week from this verse? Well, I love how he just starts that verse off, and he says, I do not set aside the grace of God. And I love that he paints that picture with those words because really what they were trying to do is they were trying to combine the grace of God, the message of Jesus with the law. And Paul's basically saying, there is no combining. If you're going to go back to the law, you are going to set aside the grace of Christ, the grace of salvation, of of Jesus's sacrifice and his rescue. And so I love that he starts it off that way because it kind of helps set up that contrast that we need to be able to really evaluate why does this matter so much? Why are we talking so much about the gospel, who Jesus is, the grace of God in comparison to the law? And so I, I like that it, that it starts that way. And I'm kind of pulling from sort of the tone of the whole uh, book and of chapter one, but Paul really uses language that gives more of a relational look at what it is they're really choosing when they're setting aside the grace of God. And it really is this betrayal of Jesus. It isn't just that, oh, you're kind of ignoring or, um, you know, this this matters, but it's not that serious. It's It's very serious. He's basically saying to set aside the grace of God to go back to the law is literally to betray not a belief, not not some writings, not some religious teachings. It's it's to deny and betray the very person who laid down his life for you. Mm. He takes it out of just kind of this religious uh, level into this is what we're talking. We're talking about how are we justified to God? How do we have a relationship with God? And it comes through a person. It doesn't come through a teaching. It comes through God's promised redeemer, and that's Jesus. And if you're going to lay that aside to go back to the law to justify yourself, those things aren't going to mix. And and we kind of said last week, it's sort of a throwdown. You know, we don't we don't yeah. get to be somewhere in the middle. It's it's one side or or the other. And really the law, even in the Old Testament, biblically, it, it never promised salvation. That was not the purpose of the law. The promise of salvation, it was a, a promise in God's redemption that he was going to be a redeemer. He was going to send a redeemer. And it was faith in that promise that justified people to God. It wasn't the law. The law was simply a mirror, you know, mm-hmm. a mirror that showed how holy God is and a mirror that shows how sinful we are. Yes. And so he's like, why? We cannot discard Jesus to go back to grab hold of something that couldn't give us salvation anyways. So that's the truth that really stood out to me is he takes it out of even just a, a head knowledge of theology or religion, and he takes it straight back to the person of Jesus. Because that's what mm-hmm. we're talking about. We're talking about the grace of God. We're talking about... Jesus. And so we're not going to lay Jesus aside to go back to the law that has already proven that all it does is condemn us in the end anyways. Exactly. We're talking about a person. We're talking about a relationship. I love that. And to affirm that truth that you've pulled out, I want to read the verses just prior to verse 21 the two verses 19 and 20, right before our verse of the week. So verse 19 says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. 
verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who gave himself up for me. And then 21 again, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died for nothing. So I love how verse 20 specifically is a reiteration of what you've just shared. It's all about the relationship and what Christ accomplished and why he accomplished it. And that's no small thing that I'm setting aside and and living as though it's meaningless if I go back to the law. Now, what could the law look like for us? Again, we're not sitting around arguing all day over whether or not we should be circumcised. That's not what we get hung (laughs) up on. So we need to insert through the power of the Holy Spirit asking what is that thing that I am clinging to, that I am holding to, that I am, you know, desperate for to find my worth, to find my value that makes me feel like I'm enough. Because that's what the law did. It substituted for what only Jesus could fulfill. Jesus came to give us life, to restore us to the Father, to heal us, to make us whole. But we grasp toward the lesser things like the law, which was only meant to be a placeholder, right? Until Mm -hmm. Jesus came. But we still have these placeholders. We have relationships. We have jobs. We have things that we find our worth and our value in that are meaningless, but they're substitutes for what Jesus can be. And the only one who can be that to us, he's the only one that can satisfy Everything the law could not fulfill, Jesus came to fulfill. And just like the law couldn't make us right with God and fill us up and make us free, none of the things that we're clinging to can either. So we need the Holy Spirit to tell us what is it that I am dependent on. If it's not the death, the resurrection, the salvation, the grace of Jesus Christ, I'm looking to something else and that thing needs to die in 2022. So along with that, Crystal, I want to move right into the choice that I feel Paul is setting out there for us in this verse. I love that you really highlighted the beginning of the verse. I don't set aside the grace of God. Why? Because that is no small thing. In fact, that's a very big thing. That means Jesus came to die for me. That's a big thing. I'm not going to set that aside. For if the righteousness comes through the law, Christ died for nothing. And I'm really grabbing a hold of the second part of the verse because I believe the choice that we need to set out for ourselves and for our listeners this week is what does my life reflect? Am I living like Jesus's death means something by the way I live? The choices that I make, the conversations that I have, that for me is the choice going into this week. And this has been really convicting for me. You know, I told you earlier, just like 1 Corinthians really lays out there for us in chapter 13, what love looks like. That's a really good test, that chapter of whether or not we're operating in love or fear. For me, this passage does something similar, where if I want to know if I'm making much of the cross of Jesus Christ in my life, if I'm a true believer, if I'm a true disciple, or it's just words that come out of my mouth, It's, am I today living like Jesus's death meant something? Am I dependent on anyone or anything other than him to find my joy, my freedom, and my fulfillment? 
how am I living today like Jesus's death means something? That is the choice that I want to make, that I'm encouraging you to make, all of our listeners to make. How can we live like Jesus's death impacts our life today? That's what it means to not set aside the grace of God. And, and for me, it really ties into last week. We talked about people pleasing last mm-hmm. week, right? I'm not going to be a people pleaser if I'm living in the truth that Jesus's death means something today. So if somebody comes to me and I'm tempted to people please, and instead of speaking the truth, I should be able to say, you know what? Jesus died so that in this moment, I can seek to be obedient to him, seek to be a true servant of him instead of pleasing this person. This is how I'm going to live like his death means something. That's just an example. But there are a million different ways we can live this out, not setting aside the grace of God, which means not running out and just sinning and acting like Jesus's death didn't matter, that it wasn't a great sacrifice, but also on the other end, trying to be good enough trying to be holy enough, trying to get stuck in works or good behavior and living under this condemnation of, oh, I'm not good enough or I'll never be holy enough. There are so many different ways that we can, like you said, really betray the grace by living like it's either meaningless or not enough. And we have to somehow overcompensate or we have to add to what Jesus did. That's what the law is is basically doing here to the Judaizers. It's becoming a burden around their neck. They can't just live in the grace and the freedom of Jesus. They have to add to it. So that's the choice for me, Crystal, is living today like Jesus's death means something in my life. Not a story from 2,000 years ago, but it's going to impact how I interact, how I talk, where what I choose to say, where I go, how I interact with clients, that I am under grace. I am not under the law. I don't have to strive. I don't have to perform. I don't have to be a people pleaser because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I am already enough and I can live then out of the overflow of his love and his grace for me instead of trying to conjure it up for myself and manufacture it to give it away. There's a big difference. So for you, Crystal, what is the choice that you pull out of this passage and how do you want to challenge our listeners to choose to apply this passage in the coming week? I think what comes to mind is maybe to add a question to the process that you're describing as the choice to live as though the cross of Christ really means something. Because I, I did, I had, I had to really reflect on how do I apply this to my life? Because you're right, we're not struggling in American Christian culture. I wouldn't say one of our big struggles is that we're running around putting all these extra, you know, burdens of the law on ourselves. We, we're pretty into our freedom. But I think that, so as I was reflecting on it, the question that came up that I think could help in that process is how would I even define what being a Christian is. Like if someone were to ask me and have to really think through and verbalize what we would say, because I think that will tell, that will be pretty telling if we are adding anything to the message, 
if we're missing anything really significant from the message, from that grace that has been given to us. And it's a really good exercise, I think, in being able to kind of get honest with ourselves for that moment so that we can take that step that you're challenging all of us to, to really, to really look at whether or not we are living fully in the freedom that is offered to us as though the cross of Christ doesn't just mean something, but that it means everything. Mm -hmm. But I think to get to that choice, we may have to ask ourselves a couple questions first. And that that's a good starter question. I think, how would I even define what it means to belong to Christ, to be a Christian? And when I did that practice myself, it it was good for me because there's things that might come to mind that could come out of our mouths. But if we were like, oh, you know, I'm really committed to church and my family and, you know, being in God's word. Okay, those are beautiful, but those are fruit, Mm -hmm. right? That's not really what it means. Mm -hmm. Those are things you're doing. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So um, I think it's just a good practice. And as I did that, it made me have to go, okay, you know what? If someone were to ask, if I was to ask myself, I would have to keep it as simple as I've been forgiven by Jesus and brought into the family of God. You know, that's what the, the cross of Christ means. That's what being a Christian means. And so maybe, maybe do that as part of the choice is to ask yourself that question. Mm, that's so good. I'm glad you went ahead and gave a couple of examples of what you might say, because I was going to put you on the spot and say, that's a great question. Why don't you go ahead and answer it for our listeners? So go ahead and speak to that just a little bit more, just to help out. Maybe there's a man or woman out there that says, I think this is something I might be doing. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not tied to the Old Testament law, but I think I struggle in living like what Jesus did is enough. And oftentimes this is born out of having a past, right? Many times those of us that have a shameful past are on a very subconscious level trying to overcompensate for our sin. We made bad choices, we made bad decisions, and we are convinced that we are the worst of these, right? The cross and the message of the gospel is great for people that grew up in the church and never did anything really that bad. But what about me? Somebody out there could be thinking, you know, I have a really colored past, made a lot of bad decisions, not proud of my past, And yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. I've accepted him. He's my savior. I'm going to heaven. But I find myself doubting or living like I have to work harder. Maybe I sign up for a lot of things (laughs) at church or, you know, I'm trying to purge myself of these bad feelings and thoughts of my past, still trying to forgive myself for the past. How might that person answer that question? of what does it look like for me to be a child of God? What is it that we should be finding ourselves in? If it's the cross of Christ alone, what are some of those things we should be writing down on the paper? Because this exercise can work both ways. You can write down the wrong things and say, (laughs) I need to work on this. Or you can write down the right things, which you're going to help with for a quick moment here. And so we can reflect and say, is that actually true of me? So what what would be the biblical response to the question that you're saying we need to ask to apply this passage this week? The first thing that comes to mind is, have I received the forgiveness that has been offered to me through Jesus? And I know that seems so simple, like, duh, Crystal, that's the most basic answer, but it's the most basic because it's really what, it's all we need is faith in in the act that Jesus did 
to pay the penalty of our sins and then actually open-handedly receiving his forgiveness. And I, I worked with a woman in Portland who grew up in the church and knew every Bible every Bible answer. You could ask her anything, but she was so uncertain of her relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit brought me that question one time. And I asked, she talked about, well, I know we're forgiven by God. I know we're forgiven, but I, the Holy Spirit led me to ask her, but have you received that forgiveness? Have you said, yes, please. I'm taking that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for offering me that. I, I receive your forgiveness. So I I would have to start there. Obviously, it's your child, you know, you've become a child of God. You've been adopted into God's family. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given the hope of eternity. All those things are wrapped up in that promise, but it really starts with receiving the forgiveness of Christ. Amen. Absolutely. I could not agree more because if we are adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ, trying to find our value, our worth, trying to feel like we're enough, it's often because we haven't forgiven ourselves. So listener, if you feel like you need a little bit of support around this whole topic of forgiving yourself, you could also have unforgiveness towards others or even unforgiveness towards God that's causing you to feel stuck in receiving the full freedom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a free resource available to you on our website, which is fetterfree.org. You can go to client resources at fetterfree.org and there's a pull down bar and you'll see a message there called finding forgiveness and it addresses unforgiveness towards others, towards ourself which is often overlooked, and also unforgiveness towards God. Take a listen to that message. It's just filled with scripture that will back up exactly what Crystal is saying tonight. And I think that's a great resource for those of you that I would identify with, yeah, I am stuck in not just believing forgiveness is available, but choosing to receive it and allowing it to be my pathway to freedom. So Crystal, thank you so much. I'm going to close this in prayer. I feel pretty strongly that we need to spend another week in Galatians and Galatians 5 7 is on my heart for next week if you would be willing to come back and jump into that I really just feel like Paul's got some good words for us as we start off 2022 so would you be willing to come back again next week yes I'll see you next week fantastic let's close in prayer father god i thank you for your grace i thank you for your mercy i thank you that what your son jesus christ accomplished on the cross is more than enough it's more than enough to cover us to free us to save us and i pray that we would be men and women that don't set grace aside that don't hold to the law to hold to anything else other than your sacrifice that has set us free. Lord, I pray for any man or woman listening to this podcast that is struggling with unforgiveness, either towards you or towards themselves or someone else. I pray that they would listen to that message on the website. I pray that they would surrender that unforgiveness, specifically like Crystal talked about tonight, that unforgiveness towards themselves so that they might fully receive the freedom that your son, Jesus Christ, died to give us, them personally and us collectively. I pray that we would walk in the freedom and the fullness of your death and resurrection this week, that we would live as though your death matters, our lives transformed by your death, and that the way we live and the choices we make would show the world 
that what you accomplished, your death and resurrection is more than enough. It needs nothing added to it, that it is adequate for all of our needs, all of our freedom, and for our future with you in heaven, that there is no other gospel, there is no other pathway to be in relationship with the Father but through you, Jesus, and through your sacrifice. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit, and I pray that you would continue to take the truth of your word and grow much fruit through our hearts and through our lives in 2022. And it is in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.